But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's an old story told of a young man who's driving with his uncle, and he asks his uncle why he never uses his turn signal when he turns right or left. And the uncle looked at him with a grimace on his face and said, nobody has the right to know where I'm going. It's none of their business. Well, of course, it's nobody's business where you're going until, of course, there's an accident. And then it's always the other person's fault, right? It's like the person who gets rear-ended at a red light and the person behind them gets out of the car hopping mad and starts yelling at them and saying, how dare you stop at that red light when you can see that I'm speeding so fast up behind you? It's always somebody else's fault, isn't it? Always somebody else is the reason why we do the things we do. It's never my fault, my own fault, my own most grievous fault. And that's what Jesus is trying to get through to all of us today, as he has been trying to do since his incarnation 2,000 years ago, speaking through the evangelist, St. Luke. Jesus has taught us all to pray. He's taught us to trust that God is going to give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks. He has told us not to be anxious. And here, after all of that wonderful teaching, we have a man who comes running up to him and says, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I want my stuff, and I want it now. Now, think about this for a moment. When do you usually get an inheritance? When a beloved one has died, usually a parent. Those of us who have lost parents in the last two or three years know exactly what that's like. Those who have lost them even 20 years ago still can feel the pain of losing a beloved father or mother. And when that happens, I pray that you are able to gather together with whatever siblings you have, maybe even in-laws and children, and grieve together as a community, as a family, to support one another in that time. I doubt very much you would have looked highly upon somebody, a brother or sister, who comes barging into the funeral home on the death of a beloved mother saying, all right, when are we going to read the will? I want to know when I get my stuff. And that's kind of what's happening here. We have this person coming to Jesus saying, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he is not thinking about his family who are grieving or even the loved one who is gone. He is only worried about who is going to get their share of the cattle, the goats, and the tents, and maybe even the land. So Jesus tells this parable. Parables, an attempt to sort of shake people up and get them to look at things differently. Usually, Jesus' parables have some kind of twist at the end that a crowd hearing them for the first time would have been shocked to hear. Our problem, of course, is that we, who are Christian, I've been hearing these parables for so long that we often miss the twist. The twist in this particular parable, I will attempt to emphasize this way. And so the man thought 
to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. He's trying to get at the problem that this brother has in his soul, right? That there is nobody that he cares about more than me, myself, and I, his self, just like the man in the parable. There's a lot of me's and my's and I's in this parable. It's my grain, my barns, my goods, my soul, my self. And the same question that this young man or older man is raising by coming to Jesus and saying, I want my inheritance, is laid bare in the response of this rich farmer. Where is his family? Where is his community? We read the other week from Leviticus about how the rich were supposed to leave their remnants of grain, the remnants of grapes in their vineyard, that everybody might participate in the bounty that the Lord is giving. And here is this man only worried about building bigger silos, bigger barns, so that he doesn't have to work and he can sit back and eat and relax. And the one thing he hasn't really thought about is where his soul comes from. Because in forgetting about his family and his neighbors, and his community, he has also forgotten God, the one who is the giver of all good things. Now, back in the day, and I mean like long, long time ago, my great-great-great-great-grandparents on their land out north of saint Eustache, south of La Chit, when we grew our own food, when we raised our own livestock, we realized how dependent we were on the God who provides. If there was no rain, the crops didn't grow. If there was too much rain, the crops got flooded out. If our cows got sick, we didn't know how to treat them. And if they died, we lost our livelihood. We were always crying out to God. There are churches every two or three miles out on the prairies because people gathered together to supplicate the Lord that he might bless them. But it's hard to see how the Lord is at work in the stock market if you're a trader, or how the Lord is at work in your ability to count and produce widgets or to sell sandwiches or to provide services. And so I think it's become easier and easier in our day to think it isn't the Lord who has set the table for us for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It is us. We did it by our hard work. We did it because the TSX went up, or we did it because we got a raise at work because we worked really hard. But your work comes from your talents and abilities, doesn't it? And where do your talents and abilities come from? Are you able-bodied? How so when there are a number of people in the world who can't use their arms or legs or even bodies to do work? Are you quick-minded, charismatic, friendly, persuasive, 
where did all of those talents and gifts come from that enable you to make a living that you might set the table with the food that still comes from the bounty of the Lord? And then what happens when those gifts and talents and abilities are taken away, when your mind grows dim, or maybe you're a little bit slower off the mark than you used to be, or you can't lift that 50-pound load that you used to lift so easily when you're in your 30s or 40s. Who is going to provide an inheritance for you now? To speak nothing of your life, the beating heart in our chest, the lungs that pump oxygen through our body. Can you preserve these things eternally? Can you keep your life for yourself? Can anyone, including yourself, keep you from dying? It's a fate that awaits us all, which is precisely why God actually shows up in this parable, which is highly unusual. There are almost no parables in the scriptures where God makes an appearance. He's always in shadow. He is the master of the household, or he is the farmer, or he's the one sowing the seed. But here he shows up as the Lord, and the first thing out of his mouth is fool. Literally, brainless one. Fool is almost a softening of what he says. You one without a brain. No reason, no thinking. What if you die tonight? Then who is going to get all of your grain? Who will get the things for which you have prepared all of these barns and silos? I think in my mind that perhaps it's the one who came to Jesus and said, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He's the one who's going to get all the stuff. Perhaps this was the man's father. We don't know. Now, you might be wondering, does this contradict what the preacher says in Ecclesiastes, where he says there is nothing better for a person than that they should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil? Isn't that all this farmer wants to do? Well, not quite, because as I said, in forgetting his family and his community and his neighbors, he has also forgotten God. And when you've forgotten God, what enjoyment can you truly have? There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, the preacher goes on to say, I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? If you have not the confidence that there is a God who provides these things, that there is a plan for the universe, that you are held in the hands of a Lord who prizes you more than anything, who sent his one and only son, that you might not wonder who has your soul in his hands, but that it is Jesus, then how can you truly enjoy the things of this life? We all know the accounts of the millionaire, the multimillionaire, the billionaire who is in misery because they get to the end of their life and realize it was all vanity. Vanity of vanities, worth nothing. The fool is always me, myself, and I. The godly say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When the crops cut in good, we give thanks to the Lord, who is Lord of all people, who provides for the just and the unjust alike, as Jesus says in Matthew's gospel. So the secret to life is not having all the possessions, making sure you get the part of the inheritance that is yours. The secret to life is trusting that all that you have is coming from a God who has given you everything in Christ. And so don't go through life talking like the rich brainless one. Talk like Paul. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three times in those two verses, Paul talks about thankfulness, recognizing from whom come all good things and in whose hand is your life. Because when you have God, and when you know where all those blessings come from, you become smaller, but God becomes bigger. And the things that you have take proper proportion. And they don't become so big, and the pile doesn't become so huge that it blocks your view of the most precious gift that God gives us, which is each other. If you're surrounded by stuff, you cannot see your spouse, your children, your friends, your family, the people that make life worthwhile, in whom God continues to come to us. Luther says God comes and speaks through your brothers and sisters to give you comfort in the times of anxiety and to bless you when things may not be going well. This is the blessing. It is not a vanity. It is not chasing after wind when we have the Lord. And so eat, drink, and be merry, but never by yourself. Never alone. We eat, drink, and be merry best with others with all whom the Lord blesses. Because when the Lord blesses you, you can bless others. And when the Lord blesses others, they in turn can turn and pass that blessing on to you. Douglas Copeland, famous Canadian, probably most famous for coining the term Generation X. That was his most famous book. But later on, he wrote a book called Life After God, where he struggled with faith and questions of meaning in life, much the same questions that Ecclesiastes deals with. And in his book, Life After God, he ends up writing, my secret is that I need God, that I am sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me give because I no longer seem capable of giving, to help me be kind as I no longer seem capable of kindness, to help me love as I seem beyond being able to love. The inheritance that is ours in Jesus is salvation. It is eternal life. It is freedom from the fear of death. He has taken his inheritance and divided it, us, divided it freely with us, by grace, without grudge. And so the wise are those who have their inheritance, not from their parents, who are just like us, too often selfish, 
too often unable to see the needs of others, to love or to be kind. The fool is always by himself. But the inheritance of the wise is in Jesus. And in Jesus, the wise are never alone. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.